our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory, for ever and ever. Amen. All right, well, Happy New Year to everybody. Grab your Bibles, turn to the Gospel of Luke. That's going to be in the New Testament. If you don't have a Bible, then we would love for you to grab one that's underneath the center column of seats. Grab it. I didn't look up the page number, but it'll be, uh, oh my gosh, it's going to be in the 600s in that Bible. That 500s? Excellent. All the studious people have already grabbed the Bible, looked it up. They looked it up ahead of time because they knew where I was going to preach today. Uh, Luke, we're in the, uh, going to be looking at the Lord's Prayer. Uh, we're going to read these few verses together. And uh, our tradition is we read them out loud. Luke chapter 11, verses 1 through 4. Read along with me. Now Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John taught his disciples. And he said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread, and forgive us our sins. For we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us, and lead us not into temptation. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the day. Thank you for a new year. New year, new sermon. And so, uh, God, we uh, thank you for new mercies today, that your mercies are new for us. Uh, we definitely need them. And we also thank you for new grace, uh, a grace that extends um, over our lives and, and prayerfully over this year. Uh, help us as we open your word uh, looking at how you've taught us to pray, and I pray that this would be informative, it would be refreshing, God, that we would grow ourselves in this area of prayer, and I pray that in Jesus' name, amen, amen. All right, so we're starting a new series in the Lord's Prayer, and uh, as Nick might have mentioned, if you were here last week, uh, for the last couple of years, we've started the year um, with an emphasis on spiritual disciplines, because the spiritual disciplines are are things that we do to grow ourselves spiritually, to, to mature in our faith. The, the truth is, um, we become a Christian, and there are some things that happen automatically because the Spirit of God is working in us. But a lot of things, I, I honestly, most things in our Christian lives, it does require a little bit of effort. You have to participate in and this idea of growing as a Christian. And so prayer is one of those areas that I think most of us need help in growing, and that's what we're going to be unpacking here in, in this series. Why, why prayer? A uh, couple of reasons. Uh, here's the first. Uh, we're a young church, and uh, four and a half years old, I think we're actually doing well as a church. There's this, there's this giant, giant second sound that happens in the middle of every summer where about eight or nine families of you uh, sort of disappear and go somewhere else, courtesy of the U.S. government or a contract or, or all those things like that. But for the most part, we're, we're growing as God, as God has blessed us to grow 
as, uh, as a church. But one thing that I've learned as a pastor, pastoring a, a church, is you can set out to do some good things for God, um, start doing those things, and gain a measure of success. But a church should actually, each individual local church should be doing that thing for which God has birthed that church for. And to do that requires a little bit of discernment and a lot of prayer. So honestly, I want our church not just to do good things because we think there's good things to do. I want our church to hone in on the mission and vision that God has particularly given the transit church. I want us to be a praying church. Here's the second thing. To be a praying church, you need some people that pray. I mean, it's just that simple. We need people who um, who not just delight in prayer, but 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 understand um, the role that they play in God's kingdom, um, you know, offering to God uh, the words that he's said to us, but also uh, beckoning him for how he would use us as a people individually, but corporately as well. Um, so we want to be a praying church. We want people to pray. But here's the, here's the third reason, and this is a personal one, and hopefully you can identify with this. I want prayer to be more accessible for all of us. I want... I want prayer to be more inviting, that it's not drudgery when we come to God to pray. We don't have to actually conjure ourselves up or, or it doesn't take a lot of motivation that there is just in us that we want to want to pray. I want us to individually want to pray more and then actually do it, but also to pray more deeply, to pray more sincerely, to pray more often. And I think uh, as we do that, that God would put it in our hearts to seek him with all of our hearts. And uh, I think most of us need to be taught how to do that. It's, it's one of those spiritual disciplines that you can say, yeah, I want to do it, but you actually have to work at it to do it. And so let me start like this. I'm going to pull out my chair confession. I'm a little nervous, but I'm going to sit here and I'm going to start like this. Can y'all see me? If you can't, you don't have to stand up. You can hear me. My name is Jeff. Hi, Jeff. <laughs> and I struggle with prayer. I became a Christian when I was 19 years old as a kid at West Point. And I was taught how to pray. And I actually have had seasons of my life that I actually have liked to pray. Seasons of my life that I've been consistent in prayer and that I've seen good things happen in prayer. But I would tell you, I'd be lying if I didn't say that, you know, since... 19 years old until the day today, there, there's not a day that I would say I would, I've been actually satisfied with how much I pray or how I pray or the consistency of my prayer. In fact, that, that idea of being consistent in prayer is one of the great areas that I struggle. Sometimes I wake up wanting to pray, but then I get distracted. Like, I mean, I actually have like a list of things that I want to pray about, but when I start praying them, then I start thinking about other stuff. And then by the time I, I mean, five minutes have passed, I've like planned my whole day and I've forgotten what I was praying about. If I'm really honest, I would tell you, sometimes I struggle to pray with my wife. It's not, it's not that I don't want to. It's not that I don't honor, want to honor my wife and honor our relationship, but sometimes I struggle to pray. I just do. And I would love to be the pastor that if there's one area that I got exactly right, it'd be this area of prayer. But I don't. I struggle with prayer. I'm going to get out of this chair. How about you? If I were to invite 
some of you to come up and to take your turn in the chair of confession. What would you say? What would come out of your mouth in regards to you and your prayer life? Here's what I would I would say is true of most of us. Many of you would say those same things that I have just said. And so, whereas I'm embarrassed that, uh, that I know I struggle with prayer, I know I stand in good company. Many of you here, it's not that we don't pray. It's not that we don't have seasons of consistency in prayer. It's not that uh, we don't know as, as, as Christians that we should pray. It's just, uh, you know, there's some things that... Um, that detail us from doing that thing that, that's in us, that we want to do, that we know we should do, called prayer. Here's what's interesting. You know, I've got a few friends who, I mean, really are like people who love to pray. We call those prayer warriors. They open their mouths and great things come out, and when you're around them praying with them, it's like, man, I want to be like that. Those prayer warriors. I mean, they got a connection, to uncanny connection, to God. But when I ask my friends that, that I would consider just giants, prayer wars, and I know that when I you know, have something going on and I come to them and pray, they're praying for me. But when I say, you know, do you struggle with prayer? Guess what their confession is? They say they struggle with prayer too. Probably not how I struggle with prayer, but they still say they struggle with prayer. So this morning, as we kick off this, this new series called Prayer for Everyday Life, I want us to all be comfortable saying that I need some help with prayer because I don't have this area of my life completely under control. I want it to be more inviting for all of us to acknowledge where we are, but also be willing to gain help in this particular area. Help from each other, help from God. And that's, you know, as I've been studying, I'm really encouraged by the content of the Lord's Prayer. I've read about three books over the last couple of weeks, just immersing myself in, again, in this, this, uh, this idea of prayer. The, the Lord's Prayer can be recited as a prayer, but as it's um, depicted in Scripture, it's more a model of prayer than a prayer itself. It's a model of prayer that Jesus taught his disciples, and it's found twice in the Gospels. We find it in Matthew 6 as part of the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus is sitting on a mountain. He's got hundreds, thousands of people in front of him, and he's articulating how they should pray. And we also find it in Luke in a different context. There's a couple things to note about how the Bible presents to us Jesus praying what he's taught as the Lord's Prayer. And the first thing is, like a typical preacher, Jesus reused his sermons. And so he's in one context in a different one city. It's a different context in a different city. And you know, you've heard me say the same things in different sermons over again, and Jesus is just like that. So when Jesus is teaching on the Lord's Prayer, it's like he's in front of a congregation of people, and he's discerning what they need. It's like, all right, you need to know, this is, this is what you need to know about prayer. So one of the reasons why we see this listed twice in the Gospels, obviously you've got two different, Matthew and, 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 and Luke wasn't there, but he got a uh, firsthand account from other people are articulating what Jesus has said, but it's also because Jesus uh, re-preached much of his content, some of it of which is not uh, listed in the Bible. Here's the second thing that we need to note about the Lord's Prayer, is there really are two different contexts that, uh, that we're getting, and we will be focusing primarily in Matthew, but also looking at Luke, starting in Luke today, 
because of the context. And context just sort of rounds out what we should know and, and learn about the Lord's Prayer. And so as you compare Mark's, uh, Matthew's uh, content of the Lord's Prayer and Luke's content, you find out that some of the, some of the lines of the, the words are, are the same. Some are different. For those of you that have memorized the Lord's Prayer, when we read Luke today, it sounded a little different than what you've memorized, right? Yeah, and that's, that, that's purposeful. We will talk a little bit about that during the, the series. Jesus is teaching these disciples under the guise of how to pray in Matthew 6. In Luke 11, the disciples actually are instigating it. They're coming to him. They've seen Jesus praying, and they're saying, all right, so can, can you teach us how to pray like that? And so we're going to start in Luke. Let's, let's read these verses over again. Now Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John taught his disciples. And when he said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, Give us each day our daily bread and forgive us our sins, for we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us and lead us not into temptation. Most of us know the Lord's Prayer. I said it already. Um, This sounds a little different from what I memorized as a young kid because some of the, the phraseology is different. Some of the lines that I know that I'm used to saying are are missing. But today, I really want to focus on the context of, of Luke as we enter into this idea of the Lord's Prayer, because particularly, Luke uses this, this, this phrase of the disciples coming to Jesus and asking him to teach them how to pray. And that's what I want us to, that's really the, the, the start point for us, especially for those of you who might be new to Christianity and you, you're finding out, yeah, there, you know, there are some things that Christians should do. Uh, and this is one of those things that really you don't learn by osmosis. I mean, everyone prays, and there's no wrong way to pray. We'll figure that out as we go through this, this series. But it's, it's cool to be taught how to pray by people who like to do it and people who seemingly can connect to God. And so in this text, the text is telling us that Jesus is off somewhere, and he's praying in a certain place, and when he finishes his disciples come up to him, and one of them or some of them asks him to teach them how to pray. We don't know which one it was. It could have been Matthew. It could have been John. It could have been Bartholomew. It could have been Andrew or Nathaniel. I think it might have been not just one of them, but several of them. Notice that Jesus doesn't scold them um, because Jesus is not shy to rebuke the disciples when they say something stupid. And so notice what Jesus doesn't do. He doesn't go to them and say, hey, man, you're, you're a clown. Why haven't you gotten this yet? The disciples have been with Jesus for a little bit of time. But he doesn't scold them. In fact, he, he actually answers their question by giving them the thing that they, they have initiated, how they should pray. And what this suggests, at least to me, is that for all of us, even these disciples, Prayer doesn't come easy. See, these disciples were, were Jews. They had been immersed from, from young boys in uh, the world of growing up in a Hebrew, as a Hebrew. They would have gone to the synagogue every week. They would have heard the religious leaders praying. They would have read the Hebrew scriptures, the Torah, the law of the Old Testament. They would have, they would have in a sense, had already been exposed to prayer, we could say they already knew how to pray. But then they're encountering 
this man named Jesus, who they become friends with and have become disciples of, and they're hearing him pray, and it provoked them to say, all right, so we kind of know what prayer is, and we even know a little bit how to do it, but we don't know how to pray like you pray, Jesus. Can you teach us how to pray? And that's encouraging to me. And I hope it's encouraging to you that these disciples who were as close to Jesus as you can get would come to him with their kind of religious uh, Hebrew background and, and be courageous enough to ask him that. And it also tells us that we're not the only ones who, if you feel like you struggle in prayer, um, are struggling. Even these disciples noticed that they were struggling. And so this morning, here's the basic question that I want us to consider. Why do we struggle to pray? Why do we struggle to pray? What is it about this activity that's so integral to and, and core to our Christian lives, so central to our relationship with God? Why do we struggle with this? And what I'm going to share with you are, are six of my own thoughts. These, so these are personal to me, but I think you're going to identify with most of them. And if not, at the end of my sermon, you can come up to me and tell me what you would add from your own life. Here's the first thing. Why do we struggle with prayer? We're too religious. We're too religious. So these disciples have been Jews. Uh, they have been taught in the synagogues to pray Jewish prayers. Uh, but their problem uh, was that they had grown up in this kind of religious atmosphere. And what they had learned about the Old Testament and praying to God really stifled them from praying like they saw Jesus pray. So Jesus tells this parable, Luke 18, 9 through 12. He also told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and treated others with contempt. Two men went up into the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee, standing by himself, prayed this way, God, I thank you that I am not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I get. But this tax collector, standing far off, would not even lift up his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Jesus is showing us a picture of two different individuals. He's showing us uh, religious people, unfortunately, people like me, pastors who get to talk about what the Bible is saying and present it to people who, um, who may not read it as much or who haven't been exposed or educated as much. And, and he's saying that these pastors are presenting um, you know, this idea of prayer as if they've arrived. They're haughty. They've got it going on. They've made it. And they know the right way to approach God. So much so that they're saying, God, thank you that I'm not like these other clowns. You've separated me and made me so much better. And then he shows us a picture of a tax collector who, in this case, was a Jew who had sold himself to the Roman government to extract funds from his own people and would have been one of the hated of, of the Jewish society. And that man, in his prayer, wouldn't even lift his head because he just felt underprivileged to be able to approach God in that way. And then Jesus presents us uh, in Matthew 6, and we'll get to a little bit more of this next week, uh, an interesting thing. In Matthew, in Matthew's gospel, when Jesus is teaching the disciples how to pray, 
he doesn't start with teaching them how to pray. He actually tells them, all right, so if you want to know how to pray, this is what you shouldn't do. And here's what he says in Matthew 6, verse 5. He says, when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners that they may be seen by others. He says, truly, they've already received their reward. What's a hypocrite? It's someone that's going to say or tell you to do something that they themselves are not adhering to. It's like, all right, this is what you should be doing. I'm separate. I'm, I'm special. I don't have to do those kinds of things. And so if you're a hypocrite, then you're self-centered. Yeah, you, you give some, some measure of self-serving mantra, and you tell people to look at you, how you're doing, and how the things that you are doing are better than everybody else. And then in this next part, Jesus says, he says, don't be like the hypocrites. But he also says, and when you pray, go to the next slide. Don't heap up empty phrases that the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard by their many words. This phrase here, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do. Uh, that's the, the Greek word, uh, Bartolomeo, and it, it means babble. So he's saying, when you pray, don't be like the hypocrite. But he's also saying, don't, don't come up with some formula. Don't think that if the, the, the more words you have to offer to God, the better. It's just like if you say it like this or, or say it like that with this tone of verse, oh, God, you know, that, that God is going to receive it so much better because it sounds like that. Don't you love it when like British people pray? It's just like when they talk. It's like, oh, my gosh, you're an awesome person just because you talk like I wish I could talk like that. That's why we love James Bond, right? And so for both of these cases, here's what Jesus says. And he says it very bluntly. And I can only imagine that Jesus was like, I mean, probably very direct in terms of how he delivered this. He says, don't be like them. Because these people in doing what they're doing and being religious, they've already gotten their reward. Come, Come time to go to heaven. I'm not going to give them anything else because they've gotten it here on earth. And, of course, in other places, Jesus says, hey, your treasure shouldn't be down here. You've got to give your treasure, uh, store up treasure somewhere else. And so, but here's the thing. I, I think our prayers can get caught up in this kind of religiosity as well. We can think that if we pray and say the right words or say them in the right way, right way or drop the word Lord or God and, you know, so that it sounds nicely, then others around us will think that we are effective prayers. They won't judge us because our prayers are shallow. They'll think uh, good of us. And I think that's why some of us struggle with prayer. I think particularly that's why some of us don't like praying around other people. You ever been in that, that dreaded Christian prayer circle? God forbid, go to community group and it's like, oh, man, we're just going to pray tonight? Oh, man. And so the community group leader or, the, you know, just the religious person in the group, they're going to start off and, you know, they're going to, they're going to have a prayer for you. <laughs> oh, Lord, God of all the universe, creator of all that is, God of God, light of light, Lord of Lord, we come to you. Ah, Lord, would you hear us pray to you right now? And like, if you're like one of those persons that don't like the Christian prayer circle, then that can be intimidating. And it's almost like you're like watching the movie Jaws unfold. Dun, 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 dun. 
Dun, 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 dun. So, I mean, you, you get nervous. You get nervous. Your heart is pumping because like, in, in two more people, it's going to be your turn to pray. And you're trying to think, Lord, God, what am I going to pray? And you, and you got, all right, so I'm, I'm just going to keep this simple. So, Lord, thank you for the families who are here. Would you protect us? And you skip, you, you, you're, you're trying to get your prayer together. So you've already forgotten what this person prayed. And the person next to you, guess what they said? Oh, Lord, thank you for bringing the families together. And thank you that you're protecting us. I was like, no, they took my prayer. What am I going to do? And it's your turn. I mean, you're just like, you, you fold. I'm just like, um, thank you, God, for the day. <laughs> Amen. Don't you hate that? And so, I mean, that's just really what it is. And Jesus, is, he, he teaches us that we don't actually have to pray like that. Jesus, will, and we'll look at this next week, he says, when you start to pray, here, here's, the, what, here's what you are allowed to do. He says, you can just say, Father. And that, I mean, I'm going to unpack that next week. But he's, he's saying, you know what? God has no expectation at least not the expectations that you put on yourself when you approach him in prayer. The God that you know and serve, he doesn't expect you to get it all right. Your words don't have to be pure and clean. They don't have to be in order, all neatly fitted. You don't have to say them in a certain way. Jesus teaches us to come to God as someone who's chosen to relate to us intimately and who wants to talk to us. And because God wants to talk to you, you can freely come to him and talk to him. It's an inviting thing that God has given us. It takes the pressure off of just trying to get it right. Because sometimes, I mean, we just, we will be religious in our prayer. So, we struggle to pray because we're religious. Here's the second thing. We're too complacent. And I don't mean that we're too complacent about praying, but we're too complacent about life. You ever notice that your life goes in a rhythm? You wake up, you might do some exercise, get some breakfast, you go to work, you do whatever you do when you get to work, you come home, you might exercise first, you come home, have dinner, have some family time, you may do some work, you might have some leisure time, and then you, 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 you go to bed. And there's nothing wrong with that rhythm of life. We all have to have a rhythm of life. But sometimes our prayers reflect whatever that rhythm of life looks like. So if you prioritize these different things in your day and don't, first of all, don't put prayer in there, then, then you have been complacent about that. But here's what I particularly mean. Sometimes we, you know, we don't just complacent prayer out of our lives, we aren't even thinking to pray the right things. One pastor, this is Louis Giglio, says that in a particular sermon, he says, our prayer lives can be summed up in four phrases. Bless me, be with me, watch over me, forgive me. What's common about those four phrases? Me. Sometimes our prayers are so insular, and it's not wrong to pray for yourself. You want to. God, God gives us We'll learn this in the Lord's Prayer. He will give you the opportunity to pray for me. But sometimes the complacency of our lives is that we would rather pray for me and those that we love over and above the idea that God actually put you here, not just for you, but for him, for others, and for his kingdom. 
And so sometimes we pray with no attention to the mission of God. We pray with no attention to knowing God and making him known. There's no attention to God, uh, to asking God to use you, to give you the opportunity to speak on his behalf. We're just complacent. Thirdly, um, now a quote by John Piper. It's like John Piper to, to, to just like whack us sometimes in, in the challenge of living out the spiritual disciplines. John Piper says this, Prayer is primarily a wartime walkie-talkie for the mission of the church. It's not surprising that prayer malfunctions when we make it a domestic intercom to call upstairs for more comforts in the den. Ouch. I mean, John, that's just typical John Piper, right? Here's what Dr. Piper is saying. He's like, prayer, it, it can be strategic. It's meant to be strategic. But and, and whereas you have the privilege of coming to God and praying about those things that are concerning you and your loved ones, when you make it solely that, you have missed the strategic nature of God, that he wants to use it to accomplish not just, just those things that are good for you, but the whole mission of the church. Thirdly, we pray because we've been disappointed. Many of us have had situations where we've cried out to God for something of huge significance in our lives, and we've asked God to come and, and solve, to help us, to come alongside us, to, to heal us, to solve the problem of our lives, and that prayer has not gotten answered in the way that we expect. And when that happens, what happens? We get disappointed, right? God doesn't answer our prayer in the way that we want him to, and we live with this deep sense of disappointment. And, you, and, and, you know, when that happens to you and you really need God to show up in a particular way, sometimes it makes you wonder, I mean, is it even worth it? Is it even worth me coming to God and praying, of giving him of my time and of my words and of my emotion? And so the question can sometimes be, how do you pray when you have situations like that? You're praying, asking God for something, and you don't, you don't get it. Have you ever noticed that, uh, you may notice, you may not, the Psalms in the middle of the Bible, there's 150 of them, those are prayers. And so those are people like you and I who are expressing various things to God. And sometimes when we pray, we pray like this. This is Psalm 34. The eyes of the Lord are toward the righteous and his ears toward their cry. So some of you, when you pray, it's as if you're always connecting with God, like you have this highway from your mouth to the ear of God, and you know that every time you have a concern about you, your loved ones, a situation, circumstance, or the world, God is hearing you pray, and he's answering you. But there's some of you in here that would say, you know what? This is not my experience. My experience is more like Psalm 42. And here's what Psalm 42 says. I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why do I go mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? As with a deadly wound in my bones, my adversaries taunt me while they say to me all the day long, where is your God? Some of you feel like that, like you pray and it's as if your friend, your, your enemies become your, I mean, your friends become your enemies, that, that God is a rock for sure, but Unfortunately, that rock feels like it's like coming down, crashing on you, and life is getting harder versus God lifting the burdens off of you. And it feels like that, I mean, just we're constrained, even though we're praying to God for relief. Fourthly, we get distracted. And I, I would tell you, this is one of my top two reasons of why I struggle with prayer. 
And it's been that way for me for my whole life. I'm a doer, and so uh, I always like to be going, and I, you know, it works in my mind first. So I'm thinking about things, and then my body goes and goes and acts. I come home from from the office, church office, and I get home, and instead of just like hanging around the family and saying, "How y'all doing?" I'm like starting to starting to do stuff. You know, it, it, I never turn it off. And if you're like that, your mind can easily bounce from one thing to the next. You try to slow your mind down when it's time to pray, either in devotions in the morning or at particular times, devotions with the family. But even sometimes if you have prayer points, you're writing those down. Again, like I said in my confession there, and I'm, I'm, I, I was really confessing to you. Uh, I've got like eight points, like, you know, usually four, four things written down. I start to pray one. And then my mind will take this detour, and I'm starting to think about some things I need to talk about Nick, to Nick when he comes in the office. And I'm thinking about, all right, this is my to-do, my to-do list for the, for the day. Uh, Larissa's asked me to go get some bananas from Giant. No, not Giant. We go to Wegmans. <laughs> That's another sermon for another day. So I'm going to get some bananas from, oh, I got to get some spaghetti sauce. Uh, don't go to Giant. Go to Wegmans. Mm. And then, you know, because Larissa works in personal training, she's got stuff in the afternoon. I got to go help with Zoe or, you know, pick up David at school or, you know, all kinds of things that I'm thinking about. And then 10 minutes have gone by and I forgot I was praying. Now, seriously, I'm at my desk, you know, or, or early in the morning just praying. And I'm not really praying. I'm just organizing my day, kind of sort of like not really talking to God. Um, and it's kind of like you're on your laptop. Uh, or maybe you have all the notifications on your phone that come up. And like for me, I, uh, I actually turn my notifications off because I found this is a distraction. If you get text and calendar alerts and um, all that stuff on, on your computer, it's as if you're, it, I mean, think about your brain. All this stuff is popping up. I got all these windows that are open and they're distracting me from doing that one thing that I know I should actually be doing. And so... Here's a note. Your pastor turns off all his notifications now. It doesn't completely work for me, but I, I don't get Facebook notifications. I don't get Twitter notifications. I barely get your texts. <laughs> Here's why. Because I'm easily distracted. My mind is always going. Uh, and in this regards to prayer, we're going to talk about salute, you know, just ways to, to make your prayer more effective. I learned this long ago. I just don't uh, apply it as much as I should. Uh, sometimes when I, when I know I need to pray, I pray out loud. Don't turn the music on in your car, pray. I was actually praying, uh, the, the truck would not start this morning, the truck the, the church the truck the church owns. And so I had to go uh, over, meet Troy and Molly over at the church office. We jumped the truck, came back, and I'm praying. And I, I, a police car pulled up right beside me, and I noticed, I was like, oh, I'm talking out loud, and he's looking over at me. I'm thinking, he's probably thinking I'm crazy. People will think you're crazy, but that's one of the ways to maintain your focus and actually make a little progress in prayer is to pray out loud. You'll get less distracted. Fifthly, we are self-reliant. We struggle to play because, pray because we feel like we don't need God that much. And none of us would actually say that, but we do live that out. And so if I were to ask you for as long as you've known God and walked with God felt like you've been really connected to God? Has there been a season where you felt like your prayers were more meaningful than not? And here's what's common probably for most of us. Most of us feel like our prayers are more common when life is, uh, our, our, our prayers are more effective 
when life is pressing us. It's when we have crises. Because when we have crises, when life is, you know, you're, you're impressed, things are going on. Firstly, you're more inclined to need God and depend on him and surrender the things that are going on in you to him. You're more inclined to approach someone that you know is actually going to pray for you, alongside you, with you, as you're struggling through those things than if, you, if, than if life is hunky-dory and all things are, are right. And, and what that proves is we really do live life with two different lists. You might not write these down, but you got an A list and you got a B list. And this is how you live life. Your A list, that's the list of things when crises happen. These are things like, you know what, I really need God right now. And the things on the A list are the things that you, when you pray, are bringing to God. And they're all like, I need, I need my, my mother to be healed of cancer like, Lord, we're trying to just stay afloat financially. And if you don't come, we're going to be without some things. That might be good. We do need your help. It's, Lord, my kid is astray or my kid is like a hellion. And I need some, you know, I know behavior isn't everything, but can you help me get my kid's heart so that we can get the behavior under control? That's the A-list kind of thing. Guess what? Everything else is in the B-list. And so the A-list, we're praying those things when life is pressed. The B list, I ain't praying about those things at all because I don't need God in those areas. God, I don't need you to go to, I don't need you when I go to work because I've got all the skills and the intellect and the relationship rapport I need when I go to work and I can work and be successful without you. So I'm not going to pray about work. Lord, my marriage is good right now. My wife loves me. I love her. And I'm not going to pray about my marriage because my marriage, I mean, why would I pray about my marriage? It's good. And Lord, I, the kids are behaving, I mean, they're just such, they're so precious. I don't need to pray about my kids right now because the kids are, they're doing well. We go out to Walmart and they're, I mean, they're not making a mess. And I just, I just love my kids right now. So why would I pray about my kids right now? A-list, B-list. We live our lives like that. Uh, Bill Hybels wrote a great book. I, uh, Larissa bought it maybe 15 years ago. The book is about 20 years ago. And the book is entitled... Uh, too busy not to pray. Here's a quote from, from that book. He says, prayer is an unnatural activity. Prayer flies in the face of deep-seated values like self-reliance and self-sufficiency. It's an assault on human autonomy, an indictment of independent living. Prayer is alien to our proud human nature. He's talking about the, the, the implication of living a self-reliant life. If we're self-reliant, if I get everything I need, why would I pray? And Bill Hybels is right. When we pray, we are not being self-reliant. We are acknowledging to our Creator and our Father that we actually can't do it on our own. So we're, we, we struggle to pray because we're too religious, because we're too complacent, because we've been disappointed. We get distracted because we're self-reliant. I've got one more, at least one more for me. We're too busy. And, you know, this is not everybody. This is definitely one of my top two. But for many of us who live in D.C. and have assimilated into the D.C. culture, this is your issue. You don't pray because you're too busy. There's too much going on. Your life is frantic. There's more to do than there are hours in the day. And we just simply don't have time to slow down and talk to God about it. And so in that regard to that Bill Hybels uh, um, quote, but really his book, I would recommend that book, 
Uh, this is still true for most of us today. Another popular author, Philip Yancey, has a book uh, that's called Prayer, Does It Make Any Difference? And Philip Yancey says this. Increasingly, time pressures crowd out the leisurely pace that prayer seems to require. We have less and less time for conversation, let alone contemplation. We have the constant sensation of not enough, not enough time, not enough rest, not enough exercise, not enough leisure. Where does God fit into a life that already seems behind schedule? Here's what's interesting. And of course, we, we're, we're going to learn about the Lord's Prayer from Jesus. And if you think about it, Jesus was a busy man. I don't know if we think of Jesus in those terms, but he was busy. He had a lot going on. Uh, look, look at this text from, from Mark chapter 3. This is a, a moment in Jesus' life. Mark 3, verse 7. Jesus withdrew with his disciples to the sea, and a great crowd followed from Galilee and Judea and Jerusalem and Idumea and from behind the Jordan and the Jordan and from around Tyre and Sidon. When the great crowd heard all that he was doing, they came to him, and he told his disciples to have a boat ready for him because of the crowd, lest they crush him. Then uh, a little bit, uh, fast forward a little bit to verse 20. Then he went home, and the crowd gathered again so they could not even eat. This is Jesus trying to get away from the crowd so he could be by himself, but the crowd kept following him. And of course, surrounding these texts is this idea that the Bible tells us Jesus snuck away to, to, to have a quiet time, to pray. When Jesus went away alone, went to a mountain, he got up early in the morning, or he stayed up late at night, or he just got away from even his own disciples because he knew that life was going to pressure him, that there were people that wanted, that were pulling for his time, that were pulling for his miracles, that were pulling because of the, the charisma of who he was. And much like Bill Hybels' book, he was too busy not to pray. And of course, Jesus um, was intimately connected to the Father and knew that you know, God himself was his lifeline. Another John Piper quote, this isn't going to hurt you. One of the great uses of Twitter and Facebook will be to prove that at the last day, that prayerlessness was not from lack of time. I mean, we make time, don't we? We make time for those things that are important to us. And my, you know, my toes are hurting right now, too. So here's the question for us this morning. Which one of these struggles is your struggle? Perhaps one of the ones that, that I listed would be one that you would identify with. But perhaps you have your own. Some of this is sobering, isn't it? God doesn't want us to be guilty about that, but he does want to teach us how to pray. And so here's what the Lord's Prayer is going to help us with. I think it will help us over the next seven weeks. That We're going to go slow go through some very simple verses talking about what Jesus is trying to teach us in prayer. And so for those of you who've gotten way too religious with prayer, Jesus will teach us to pray, Father, and I'll unpack that next week. For those of you who've gotten too complacent with your lives, Jesus will teach us to pray, your name and your fame be hallowed. I want to live for your name. For those of us who get distracted like I do, with all the things that keep popping up everywhere and all the things that you have to do, Jesus is going to teach us to give us our daily bread. And here's why. Because we need God to help us with the basic necessities of life, but all these other things that keep popping up, like you know, notifications on your phone or on your, your computer, he wants, he's offering us the opportunity to turn those over to him because 
His burden is easy. Uh, his, his yoke is easy. His burden is light. But more than that, he wants to help us in this area. He wants to uh, help us uh, to make this prayer thing a part of our everyday lives. For those of you who are too self-reliant, Jesus is going to teach you to, to, for, uh, to ask that, you would, uh, that he would forgive uh, your sins. Because at the heart of all of our self-reliance is the message that came through, really, the serpent to Adam and Eve in the garden, that I can do it alone. I'm self-autonomous. I'm independent. I don't need God. I can do it myself. Jesus is going to teach us in this phrase to repent of our self-reliance. For those of us that say we're too busy, Jesus is going to teach us, deliver us from this world system. Deliver us from the evil one that so fills our lives that we can't even find them. The reason why I started in Luke is I think uniquely as the disciples are coming to Jesus, um, really submitting themselves to him, they in essence have come and sat down at the feet of their master. And they're asking him to come alongside them to teach them to pray. And I think I think it would be wonderful for most of us in this room. There's some of you that just like, like love to pray and do it well. But for the rest of us, we actually do struggle with prayer and we need the Lord to teach us. But here's the thing, at least for me, there's no point in uh, in actually asking Lord, the Lord to come to, you know, to come, come alongside us if we're not willing to to hear what he has to say. So we got to spend a little bit of time just face-to-face with the Lord, asking him to teach us to pray. And so let me invite you to confess, perhaps today, that you struggle to pray. And I've already written it down, something that you need to pray about. Check this out. Would you be willing to do this this morning? Not out loud, but right where you sit. Hi, talking to God. My name is, and I struggle to pray. Some of y'all struggle to pray like me. I'm not by myself in this room. I know some of y'all. But I'm going to take this one step further. Would you, I'm, I'm going to add one phrase. Hi, my name is, and I struggle, I struggle with prayer because. And it might be some of the reasons that I named earlier. You might have your own. And then would you add this? Would you ask the Lord to teach you to pray? That's my invitation for us today. And so I'm, I'm done. We're going to finish with, with prayer. We're going to say the Lord's Prayer together. But here's what I would encourage you to do. is as, Before we come to the Lord's table, where we're going to um, remember the body and blood of Jesus shed for us, what we call good news, is that you would spend at least a thir- 30 seconds or so. Don't rush to communion. Commune with the Lord first. And if you are one like me that struggles with prayer, that you would confess that to him Confess that you struggle, and if you know why, admit it, confess it, and then ask the Lord to teach you to pray. And then we're going to sing the song that we actually ended on, Father, You Are All We Need. That, did you notice that the words of that song were the, the words of the Lord's Prayer? We'll sing that song a few times during this, this series because the, the author of that song, contemporary song, uniquely, you know, creatively took the the Lord's Prayer, and he's offering in song those words back to, to God and asking for the help that he needs. But before we do that, would you, would you say the Lord's Prayer with me? Y'all know it? Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day a daily bread. 
And forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Let me pray. Father, thank you that we can pray like this, that you give us the privilege of praying. We are sorry that we don't take advantage of this privilege more often. We confess that we struggle with prayer and we cry out very simply that you would teach us to pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.